Hi, you entrepreneurs. Uh, today we have Leslie Aker. So if you're in the real estate field, if you're with Keller Williams, especially luxury, you know of her. She is the head of all of Keller Williams luxury, yet she also runs a team out of Texas. She kind of talks about her, her mindset and how she's been able to build her team, builds her brokerages, and, and now kind of building out Keller Williams luxury. Please subscribe, take a listen, and uh, of course, uh, tell your friends. Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Right, so I am glad to finally be here with you, Leslie. It's It's been, I don't know, months, maybe a year, I don't know, a long time to get you on the mic. I know, Vinny, what is up with that? I am so sorry. I have looked forward to this. Um, you know, like I said, when I met you, I was so impressed with you and your presence. Uh, but I think what I took away more than anything was your work ethic and how you you take action. And so when you invited me, I thought, absolutely, you are doing some innovative things in your business and more than happy to be a part of it and honored to be. So thank you. So I, I know why it probably took you a good amount of time to get on here. You wear so many hats. You're a, you have your own real estate team. You're a head of luxury for all Keller Williams International. Uh, you also run a couple of different market centers. Anything else? Correct. I also have a real estate team uh, and a small expansion team as well. Wow. And I'm, I'm guessing this is just a start. Huh? You got a lot more. It's going to be coming up in the next months and years, huh? Absolutely. Big plans. That's, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's not about how busy do you want to be. It's when you're passionate about what you do, which for me, my passion is quite frankly, serving others and more of a servant leadership perspective. And so the more people you're able to impact and when it's, it's actually your business, your business just innately grows because it's coming from the right place, or at least that's what I choose to believe. So talk to me, where did this passion come from? You're just a little kid, start slinging houses. Where, where did it all come from? You know, I wanted to be a realtor from the time I was 12 years old, Vinny, oh, wow. honestly. And I loved the realtor that my parents had. Her name was Kathleen. And I about wore her out while they were, she was working with my parents because I had a million questions. And you know me, I ask a million questions. And so, uh, but after we bought our house in Austin, my parents bought it. I was like, oh my gosh, I am going to be a real estate agent. Um, and I will tell you that God kind of had other plans. So after school, I went in uh, to the healthcare industry. I actually uh, was in senior living and senior housing. And, and it was a fantastic. I've always been in sales uh, because I look at sales different. To me, sales is such a great opportunity to help me people make really great decisions on a purchase. Right. So I feel like if you come from a place where you can inform and answer questions and represent a product that you truly believe in then it's more about educating someone and helping them with something they may need. Right. And so. Well, where did that mindset come from? I mean, that seems like a very, I mean, well thought out idea, especially for if if this was at a young age, having this mindset, that 
It's pretty powerful right there. Well, I've always been in sales, or as my mom would say, you were always a convincing child. And so <laughs> I always, you know, I don't know why. I just think that was uh, one of my gift sets. But at the end of the day, I wasn't thinking that at 12. But after college, um, I actually graduated from Purdue. And um, right after college, I took a sales position. Of course, I sold jewelry. Oh, you'll love this, Vinny. I sold jewelry out of my dorm room. Okay, so one of my best friends and well, I should say she's older than me, but she's awesome. And she started this great jewelry company. And at the time, this was way before you were born. um, There were there were these necklaces called Attabeads and every sorority person and just college young lady wanted these necklaces of gold and lapis and whatever. Well, my friend had all these and she would sell almost wholesale. So she would ship it to me and I would sell it to all the folks at school. Now that's when I was at Ole Miss, right? So I started my college career at Ole Miss, University of Mississippi. um, And that's where I was selling it. And they had a, a very heavy, um, sorority based school so it was a great business then um after college then and i went from Ole miss to the university of texas and then graduated from purdue so i also believed in uh i always say i honed my social skills in college (laughs) and time management right because you got to meet all these people so after college i uh, took a role in sales uh, with vector marketing and that is the company that represents Cutco. Oh. And and so Vector Marketing was actually uh, a courses being taught at different universities all over the country. And it was some of the best sales training I ever had. And I loved it. And so I took that passion for sales. But I will tell you, uh, they call me the Velvet Hammer. So I may be a hard closer, but it's more about coming from a place of contribution and finding out, being very consultative and not overselling something, right? So, let me jump in for one second. So for people listening right now, Cutco, at least in the, the San Diego market and you know, I guess Southern California market, is very big on for the sales of realtors, realtors and giving us a product to give to our clients. So I don't know if it's the same out there in Texas. Oh, yes. Yes. And when I was with them, I mean, Vinny, this was a long time ago when when I was doing it, they weren't allowed to have corporate accounts like that. This was all door to door by appointment. um, And I was really proud to say I was ranked when I left that I was ranked number 17 out of 20,000 sales associates. And so. I, I enjoyed the competition of it. I enjoyed the interacting with people. And, you know, we had these huge, I'll give you an, an example. What I learned through that process was the importance of lead generation. Because every day I would make calls to people I knew. I worked my sphere. Okay. I worked my sphere. Who did I know? Who did I know? And then who did they know? And who did they know? And then I really looked at it at who can I help right now, even though it was from a place of you've got horrible knives, you need help. But still, my intent was, who do you know that I need to know? Right. And and so anyway, 
I honed those skills of lead generation and setting appointments, following a schedule and not stopping till I had all the appointments set that I intended to set. And so I would go on a presentation and if my my appointment wasn't there, I'd go door knock next door and I'd go until I met with enough people that hit my goals for the day. Right. And when I was that, that's why you and I connected, by the way, this is how you do your business. I've watched you. And so uh, for me to be able to do that. Right. Um, and then what I found is on those presentations and those knife appointments, believe it or not, uh, even though we had these huge sets that you could sell or whatever, for me, it was important to sit and find out what was important to them. Show me the product you have now. Tell me what you like about that the most. What do you wish your product did? What are you looking for in a knife? Do you even know what you're looking for in a knife? Let me tell you more about quality and why there is a difference. And then helping them, educating them on what was special about a knife and why. And ours were expensive. Okay. But what I would tell you is they were a great value. So I explained the value. I learned how to present a value proposition through a very consultative approach. And so from that, that would always sell just what you needed, right? Not oversell you with hopes that you'd add to it, right? And most people did. So after that, I went into the senior housing and applied that same concept of the consultative selling but this was so personal because you're affecting people's lives right at the highest level. And it was probably one of the toughest sales I ever had because here I am working with seniors and the seniors are looking at a retirement community. And you have to remember this. This was back in the late 80s, early 90s. They were looking at a retirement community as an old folks home or the last stop, right, if you will. And so what I wanted to show them is, no, this is all about lifestyle and service and fun and, you know, at a supportive environment. So it was probably one of the toughest sales I ever had. But what where I honed my sales skills in that was really getting good at listening and coming from that place of how can I genuinely help and serve you and your family? Right. Um and that that was wonderful. I did that career for a while. I was a regional uh, marketing director and a national troubleshooter and then went on to do many other things in that field, including my own consulting company. Uh, and then I finally got to go into real estate, my dream, in 1996 with a little unknown company called Keller Williams. And at the time, nobody really knew who we were. I was in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, but I joined Keller Williams and get this now, unlike today, where we're the leading training company uh, in real estate in the country. Right. Back then, we didn't have training yet, except it was organic. Just who in your office could help you. I joined Keller Williams because of my sales and marketing background that I was able to brand myself and I knew how to position myself. Right. And so that's how I chose Keller Williams. Um, fast forward. I loved real estate. I could hardly wait to get in it. A year and a half later, I had an opportunity back in my senior living career that I just couldn't pass up for a very strong 
title position. And so I took it, came back into real estate in 2001 with another company uh, and, and quite frankly, joined a team and helped that person who is in the top, one of the very top in our market, uh, helped him build his team. Um, and then I built my own team and then I got recruited in 2008 to run Keller Williams uh, South Lake DFW office and um, took that office from about 300 uh, agents to um, over 650 uh, through my tenure there and um, had the opportunity to apply that servant leadership for all those years. So did you have a, a plan or to, well, first it was join real estate. It didn't really work out. You got into the title. Then you got back into real estate. No, nope, just- it worked out. I was actually up for rookie of the year. Okay. Um, it worked out really well. Uh, okay. And by the way, sowing those seeds, right? Your first year in the business. And if I may, Vinny, yeah. what I recommend to new agents all the time, your first year in the business is about learning. Okay, you need to be a sponge. It's like building a house. If the foundation isn't poured correctly, the walls won't be straight. The framing won't be right and and you won't have the quality. Right. Same thing with your real estate career. You've got to build a very solid foundation. So be a sponge and learn. In my first year, I'm learning. I'm getting out there. I'm sowing seeds um, and I had good success. But by the mid-year of my second year into it, so a year and a half into the business, I had almost triple uh, the business in my pipeline, but I was offered a senior level title back in the retirement industry. So to run a sales and marketing division of a very large retirement corporation. And so I took that title position, meaning a a high title within the company, but it was oh, in the senior living industry. So did you have a plan when you made jumps or were you recruited in a lot of these different little jumps over or, or do you just open to opportunities as they kind of came about or how did that work out? I know some people kind of go with the flow. Some people have a, a more concise game plan. You know, mine wasn't truly planned. I just expected to be successful. So for me, I was always looking for that opportunity to grow personally and professionally and nail it, whatever I was going to do. I am very competitive. okay? and so I was just going to nail it. And what was interesting and what I find in life is when you're coming from a place of serving people and I mean serving from a servant's heart, right, helping them make the best decisions they can make for them. I found that opportunities presented themselves. When I was selling Cutco for Vector Marketing, I got approached by several uh, investment houses that wanted me to go more onto the financial side and um, sell more in the stocks and bonds and get more into the investment side of things. Um, So it's interesting. And then as I've been selling real estate, um, you know, People want to know what you're doing when what you're doing is working at a high level. And so for the more people that I was around, uh, they might be attracted to me to help them take their business to the next level. Okay. So how do you weigh stuff to, to bring more on your plate? Because you're, you, you're building a, a team and then you're taking on basically 
um, plat, um, hats at Keller Williams, the um, luxury and kind of just adding more hats to yourself. Do you have a process where you sit down and weigh things out? Is it going with your gut or how does that work out? Well, it's, it's interesting. It's a, you have to have a plan, right? Yeah. Yes. At this point, yes, you have to have a plan, but opportunities sometimes come when you least expect them. Uh, and yet I, it's kind of like being prepared as long as you're prepared in your skill set and what you're doing and you're open to opportunities, then yes, you have a plan to keep growing in those areas, but sometimes those opportunities come out of nowhere. Right. Mm. But if you're prepared, you're able to step into the right ones. And so like at Keller Williams, we're a company based on performance. So opportunities arise when you're performing at a very high level. OK. Well, you're well, going to ask. Yeah. Talk, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, talking about basically opportunities coming out of like at a, at a very high level. I mean, you haven't. And we've talked about this before in the mic and in the past about some of the not the highlights, but the kind of the downlights, the the dark times that you've had to kind of work through. And it seems like it made you stronger. Can you talk about maybe some of those lower moments? Sure, absolutely. Well, um, you know, I I feel very fortunate, Vinny. OK, so my dad is the former head football coach at the University of Texas and he was an assistant coach for Darrell Royal uh, for 10 years, and then he was head coach uh, for 10 years. And so um, I'm telling you this for a reason. So a lot of this that you see comes naturally because I live with a great leader, right? Uh, and my mom's probably one of the best salespeople you ever met in your life. And it's genuine and sweet, and it's just awesome. And so anywho, um, my brother actually played quarterback for my dad. Now, he wasn't first string. Uh, he was third string. My brother was barely 5'10". I still would tell you he really wasn't quite 5'10". And this was the same guy that after college was on a semi-pro basketball team. You get in this picture, right? So yeah. he thought he was seven feet tall, but he wasn't. He was like five nine and a half. And um, but he had the heart of a lion and a heart of a champion. And so anyway, as I was uh, going through, my brother uh, worked for the Pacific Institute. And then and that's where you you teach people, if you will, how to think. All right. Some of the folks like Tony Robbins trained there. Uh, very notable people have trained there. My brother was a facilitator of that information. He was genius at it. And um, anyway, and so was my dad. And he, he led his teams through visualization and positive thinking and setting goals and how to think differently, right? So he and my, my dad had a company together where they coached business owners and executives all over the country in all different disciplines. And he was very impactful. And um, my brother was also my business coach uh, and just my life coach. And he's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And by the way, you might find this interesting, too. So we shared uh, our lockers through school. My brother was um, just like 16 months older than me, maybe 19, 16 or 19 months older than me. But we were in the same grade. OK, from sixth grade on. So our lockers were side by side forever and we're very close is what I'm trying to tell you. We were almost like twins. Right. Only 
he's a lot taller than me, believe it or not. <laughs> and um, so anyway, I'm telling you this for a reason. Very, 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 very close. Our whole family is very, 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 very close. And you have to be when you when you have a very uh, public presence, you'll find that your family, you get so protective of your family because your inner circle has to be on guard, if you will. Does that does that make sense when yeah. you're in the public eye? And so we're extremely close anyway. So fast forward. Um, and this was while I was still team leader at Keller Williams uh, South Lake. And um, we find out that my brother has a renal cell carcinoma. And um, to date, they don't have a cure for renal cell carcinoma. And um, what was, you know, really shocking for me is um, a year before one of my dear friends and past clients um, had died very quickly from the same disease. And so when my brother gave me this news, uh, I was scared to death, right? Because I thought, oh, my gosh, he's only going to have four months to live. And um, I remember it just, uh, you know, just plain as day finding this out. Uh, So he had a surgery and my entire market center, in my opinion, prayed him through the surgery. I, I found out that he had had, we didn't know this till the day of his surgery. He had a 50-50 chance, not of being cured, but just of surviving the surgery. And he survived it. And I'm going to tell you, our whole family grew through this process. It's amazing how very trying times brings out the best in you by overcoming it. Right. It's it, it's an interesting and I can tie that back to today later. Uh, so anywho, he survives the surgery. He's he's going through everything, going through treatments. He was on a clinical trial. It wasn't working well. And so my brother said, you know what? I'm not doing any chemo. I'm not doing any drugs. So for my brother, we relied on prayer and nutrition he had a nutritional specialist for that type of uh, cancer, and um, he tapped into what he does probably better than, I would say, the top 1%, and that is he controlled his thoughts through powerful personal affirmations about his health, through visualization of being healthy. I remember the day that he found out he asked all of us to never speak about it again. He didn't want to talk about it, didn't want it discussed, because in his mind, he was overcoming it and he was healed. He was already healed. He's just going through the process of getting his body healed. And, you know, my brother lived uh, just over three years um, from the point of being diagnosed, which was a miracle in itself. And um, that journey was wonderful and tough at the same time. Like, again, I said, you know, we were, he was my coach. We also had another small business together and we were like twins, right? And so I would come home from the market center on Thursdays and I was the night duty and would help with my brother's care. And we were able to take care of my brother throughout the whole thing. So that was probably the most impactful obstacle 
I've ever had to overcome and um, you still overcome it, right? It's a uh, grief is an interesting thing, but I found that one of the gifts of going through that Vinny was to be able to genuinely empathize with someone. Okay. Cause uh, and grief is interesting and it's something that until you've been through it and just like today people are grieving the environment we're in right now it's a grief of not being able to do the day-to-day that we're used to and it's literally a grief Um, but when you've been through it it actually grows a whole other side of you that you're able to help someone else through it. it it's interesting it gives you a different lens to look through and so as hard as this was and I'm gonna tell you it was hard um, my father, uh, just all this happening at the same time, my father, um, had developed dementia and, um, my brother was a master and my, and he and my dad had a business together. It was called Acres Performance Group. And again, where they coached, you know, companies all over the country. And, um, you know, my brother would tell me things like, man, dad was kind of getting off subject or, all these different things. But what we realized was uh, my brother was really covering up. He could be that crutch for my dad. And my dad had dementia just starting at the time. Uh, and after Danny, my brother passed. Uh, oh, my gosh. It, it was just like a downward spiral. And my dad's dementia kicked in really heavy. Uh, it became very difficult on my mom. The stress on my mom, she actually started losing her eyesight. Uh, from the stress, she has macular degeneration. And, you know, I'm watching all this take place. And and here I am with a company whose core values are God and family first, then business. And I, I had to really examine this, Vinny, and look at myself. And what I realized is my my agents meant so much to me. I had kind of indirectly had them put as first family versus my second family. So I had to make a very cognizant effort of making my agents my second family versus my first family. And uh, that is when I came down to Austin. I realized I need to move home. And, And this is interesting, Vinny. This was at kind of a pinnacle of my career as a team leader, right? I was a black belt recruiter. Um, I had one of the most productive market centers in the country, uh, always in the top five in production. You know, we'd close anywhere from 1.8 to just over 2 billion a year. Some of my highest paid agents. And we were getting ready to move into a building that I've been working on uh, with our ownership for, you know, almost two years, 40,000 square feet. This was a big undertaking. We're getting ready to move into that building. And all this is all happening at the same time. Right. And um, I had to make the decision to put my first family first. And so I came down to Austin and asked um, John Davis, who was our president at the time, what opportunities were available in Austin. And you know what? And then now this is where those doors start opening and the right opportunities come along. Um, it just so happened that the president of luxury at the time, Kathy Nye, was looking for her replacement. So uh, that saying when one door closes, another one opens. 
but you've got to be prepared to walk through it. Um, I was able to say, okay, I'm going to make a plan to where that would make sense right in time. And so made that transition. And I'm going to tell you, it was hard to leave my agents. And I mean hard, right? And quite frankly, what I ended up leaving. Now, you need to understand when I became team leader in 2008, I brought my team with me. I was a mega agent in my market and I had a team. I brought my team with me. My team continued to sell and work with my past clients. I wasn't allowed to sell. They sold on my behalf. Okay. So throughout all this. So now I'm saying goodbye to my daily routine with my agents, my staff, all the business personally that I'd built over the last 23 years in that area to move and and come home. I literally moved in with my parents uh, to help take care of them. Okay, and um, it's it's, you know, again, that grief of some of that, you know, you find that you are codependent at times on people you don't even realize, like my agents. Um, So I would say that was probably the biggest obstacle and and uh, to overcome so far in my life. And and now with my father um, in far advanced dementia. And um, dealing with that, uh, it's tough. In, in this process with the, you mean him going through dementia, your your uh, brother passing away, was there ever a moment where you just wanted to like give up on the world or you just wanted to sleep and watch Netflix or just kind of like get out of your daily routine? Oh, yes. You you want to get out of your daily routine. You you. Uh, but here's what I find is that miracle. And I will tell you, Vinny, I have a very strong faith. OK. And without that, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it would have been darker. I was I can positively say that to you. And, um, you know, you just go into at least I do. I go into let's take care of it mode. And you just do because you're going to do. And um, I'm blessed with you've met me with an inordinate amount of energy. And I'm thankful for that. And um, I have that can do attitude, will do attitude, and I won't give up. And so I do you want to plug out? You do. But the desire to move forward is stronger. Okay, it is for me. And, um, you know, and I have found that the more you can pour into others, the more it strengthens yourself, especially in those tough moments. Well, talking about passion, plugging, helping others, I mean, I'd be doing everyone a disservice if I didn't ask if a new agent was looking to get into the luxury industry or just into the real estate industry, what kind of advice would you give them? You know, I would say learn all you can. And and here's the thing. Luxury is is a component of real estate. OK, and it doesn't matter which segment of the market you're working in. You you need to learn what to do. You, you need to learn that you are running a real estate business. And part of that real estate business is selling real estate. And it's it's not you're you're not a real estate sales rep if you're running a real estate business, right? Because you have all these other components. And the biggest part of selling real estate, if you will, 
is lead generation, meaning you've got to have people to work with, right? So you want to hone your skills in lead generation. You want to hone your sales skills. It's, it's not enough to generate a lead or a prospect or, you know, make your contacts. You have to be able to convert those into appointments because if you're not having a face-to-face either by Zoom today, right, or physically in person, um, it, that's just activity, but it's, it is not productive activities. And so then you know how much activities create how many appointments, and the more appointments you go on, the more people you meet with, the more business you'll have. And that is just how it works. And so once they understand that getting into real estate, you're actually getting into the business of generating people to go on appointments with. And I like to look at it as you're getting into the business to really help people get to their dreams or to their next place. And when you can come from that place, it just takes on a different feeling. Okay. Now, breaking into luxury, luxury is a different price point. And in either one of these, and not just price, I mean, luxury is a lot of things. Luxury is an interesting deal, let me tell you. And, and luxury looks very different today. Okay. Luxury is, by the sheer essence of it, price point, location, amenities lifestyles, school districts. I mean, there's so many things, type of construction, product. I mean, it's just, it's a whole other thing. And luxury looks very different all over the country. Where you're at in Southern California, luxury looks very different at a million dollars than a million dollars looks in, um, I, I you can name somewhere else, you know, in Kansas City. It looks very different. Right? Five hundred thousand in some markets is more luxurious than a million in others. So luxury is an interesting thing. But in real estate in general, whether you're talking about your traditional price point or luxury, you need to know the market statistics. You need to understand your market. Why is this construction here in this zip code have a different value versus this over here and this over here? Why certain neighborhoods command a different dollar amount than others? And what is the value of that location versus this location, right? And being able to put all that in place because our job is to be able to consult with the consumer, consult with our clients and give them the information and advice so that they can make an informed decision. We're not making those decisions for them. We are to guide them in making the best possible decisions they can. And so with luxury, what you'll find is typically the more you know about the luxury market, and again, what makes the difference in these price points, knowing more about the amenity difference, What's the difference between a Category 3 and a Category 8 granite, if you will? What's the difference in this type of marble versus this type of marble? And why is that important? Right. Just, you know, uh, your your sales presentation is different. Your your approach is different because your client's expectations are different. 
So it's understanding those nuances. So I think the easy answer would be just to say training. The more training you have, the more knowledgeable you become. With more knowledge, you become more comfortable and more powerful. Knowledge is power, right? And I've often said, if you want to be the best negotiator, the quickest way to do that is to master the contracts and addendum, right? Not know them, not go to a class three times, mastery of the contract, because that's where your negotiations, really, that's where you're the expert, because it's how you consult your clients through that. Okay. That was a long answer, wasn't it? (laughs) It was long, precise, but it it was a good one. You know, let's, let's, let's finish it off with what's next for, for Leslie. What's, what's the future hold? If we're talking to you in a year, what's happening? Oh, my goodness. So many things. We are, you know, we've been growing Keller Williams Luxury International. I'm so proud of our luxury specialists. We have over 2,600 luxury specialists within Keller Williams Luxury International, which is the boutique of Keller Williams. Uh, And Keller Williams being the largest real estate company the world has ever seen, by the way. And our luxury specialists sold over 31 billion this last year. So I'm really excited to see the energy around luxury. Um, I also, you know, I'm an operating partner out in San Diego. I'm this year looks like uh, moving and seeing luxury advance and continue to grow and and bring great value to our specialists as well as. I'm looking forward to being able to pour in to our associates all over the country and certainly in my market center in San Diego. Um, And I'm looking to start doing more coaching for our leadership and our associates. I'm really excited about that. You'll be hearing more about that. Fantastic. Well, if uh, everyone, if people want to listening right now, want to keep up to date with what's going on with KW Luxury or other, or looking to sell in, in Texas or find a good realtor in, in San Diego, what's the best platform for them to follow you or reach out to you or for that direction? Absolutely. Reach out to me direct. Uh, my email is Leslie, L-E-S-L-I dot A-K-E-R-S at KW.com. And of course, um, look us up. We would love to help you. And you've got a lot of great choices there in in San Diego. Vinny, of course, being one of them. He's amazing. Very impressive. And um, sure, we'd love. Hey, by the way, being able to identify your migrational markets or your feeder markets, uh, Vinny, meaning those cities and states that are moving to your local area and from there and where they're going. Those are your migrational markets. Um, San Diego and Texas, I got to tell you, Southern California moves to Texas a lot and vice versa. So we'd love to help you. And I have a market center in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is also uh, comprised of over 50% of Texans and Californians, by the way. So yeah. So if I can help you in any way, please don't hesitate. Well, thank you again for, for being on the podcast, Road to Growth. Love your story. I mean, I, I think you need to add a little more energy. You're kind of like a little bland. <laughs> right there, but well, I'm losing my voice. That, 
<laughs> no, but it was great. Thank you again, Leslie, for being on the podcast. Uh, hopefully everyone listening got some great good tidbits about this. Um, thank you again. Well, thank you, Vinny. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.